Hi, I'm Rachi. Hi, and I'm Sakina. Welcome to Two Spores in Britain. This is the podcast where two long-time friends share our experiences with each other as Singaporean transplants to Britain and also practice British accents. Happy first month of this podcast, Sakina. Oh my god, has it been one month already? <laughs> yes. Oh wow, okay, wow, time really flies, yay! And yeah. One month since our pilot or one month since our first episode? One month since our first episode. I feel like it's one month since our pilot. Yeah. Question mark. <laughs> yeah, you know what? For those listening, uh, for those listening in, if you're curious, we did have a pilot, so we didn't like just dig in without, you know, um, not knowing what, what to do. But yeah, um, it's a very interesting topic uh, for our pilot. But yeah, I mean, maybe in the future we might share it, right, Riti? <laughs> yeah, we can revise the opinions and put it in a new episode. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> so for today, we're going to start a new series on living in Britain. We'll cover our first impressions and how we adjusted to a new country in this episode. In future, we might delve into more societal issues like housing, healthcare, education, working system, and politics. So let's begin at the beginning. As Lewis Carroll once wrote, uh, Sakina, what were your first impressions of the UK in your first six years? Uh, you can talk about both your Birmingham and London experiences. Thank you, Reiti. Um, wow, you know, like... Um, for me, it's really hard to remember my first impressions because I feel like I lived here for a while. I mean, it's really not long. It's only been like, what, like one and a half years maybe since Birmingham, almost two years. But, um, well, when I first came to the UK, I was a tourist, right? So I, I visited London twice before. So I guess it's a very rosy um, impression of London and UK in general. I mean, of course, I mean, I really like London, you know, for its museums. You know, I really love British accents so much. Like, I really romanticize the British accent back in Singapore. Like, it sounds so posh and everything. You know, um, when I came to London, there's like, you know, the red buses, you know, we take pictures with the, you know, the telephone booths, you know, it's like really nice and everything. But of course, you know, it's very different when you really live in London, okay, which I will get to later. So, but before that, I will talk firstly about uh, my first few weeks in Birmingham. So, as um, I mentioned in the first episode, I did my master's in Birmingham. Um, of course, uh, when I first came, I mean, the reason why I chose Birmingham over London was because I find that, you know, Birmingham is slightly cheaper than London. The cost of living is slightly cheaper there. And um, I feel like London is such a city vibe, you know, it's like very similar to Singapore. So what really attracted me to Birmingham was really the university campus. When I saw the picture of the campus, it's like, wow, you know, it's like red bricks. It's like, um, obviously, it's much nicer than the universities I experienced in Singapore. I mean, not to say that. NUS, National University of Singapore, where we both attended, it's not, you know, it's bad, but I mean, it's just that, you know, like the university in Britain, you know, it's like, wow, so nice. So um, my general impression of UK is that as well, that it is a country of beautiful campuses. You know, you've heard of Cambridge, Oxford, you know, and York as well. Uh, so yeah, um, my first impression of it is that, okay, you know, like, I really want to go there because of the campus lifestyle. So when I came there, I find Birmingham to be slightly quieter, 
slower and um, of course you know I've had experiences you know in Birmingham where things are a bit more slower and of course that translates to efficiency as well where I find that okay the bus timings are a bit questionable like you know they will tell me that oh it's gonna arrive in five minutes but it doesn't arrive in five minutes right so um, I mean come to think of it I don't know if that's a complaint because maybe that's the default um, the default system there, like, you know, people are generally more laid back. They don't really feel like they need to complain so much because I come from, we come from Singapore. So like when we come, to, when I came to Birmingham, I just felt that, oh my God, like it's really testing my patience. But anyway, I, I later learned how to deal with it. Um, Birmingham is a very good place for family. So um, it's a very good place for children as well. A lot of residential areas. Um, uh, I think people generally drive there as well. So perhaps that's why the bus, you know, the bus is the, the bus timing is not so um, frequent. It's not so efficient as well. Yeah. So um, that's my general impression of Birmingham. It's really beautiful. Um, it is the second largest city in the UK after London. Um, some people from Manchester would dispute that because they feel that no Manchester is the second best or the second largest but well we'll see um yeah so that's Birmingham um and then in London now um I find that obviously my impression my initial impression as a tourist um is obviously not accurate right so um I see the posh side of London which is in zone one um, for, for Singaporeans tuning in, like, zone, like, you know, London is being organized by different zones. Um, so the zone one is the inner city, and then zone two is the, like quite close to the, to, the, to the central, and then it gets bigger and bigger. And London is such a big city. I kid you not, okay? So what I see is so different from what I saw as a tourist. Like, um, my impression of London when I, first, when I first came here is that, oh my gosh, like, you see a lot of, um, how do I say, like you see like the housing inside, there's like posh houses alongside like not so posh houses. And then um, like, yeah, I mean, the streets are not very clean, you know. Um, it's a city that I will always um, learn. I will always learn new things about it, right? So until now, I'm still uncovering new parts of London. Like I can never, you know, explore enough. You know, so I feel like for the past one year, I haven't really gone to those touristy areas because I feel like that's such an inaccurate depiction of London. The real London is when, you know, you see all these places, you know, you see chicken and chip shops, you know, uh, if you don't know what's chicken and chips, it's just like, just like um, affordable chicken shops. And then you see, yeah, you see like diverse um, group of people in London, you know, like obviously if you go to zone one of London, you see a lot of tourists, you see um, a lot of middle class people. But if you really live in London, you see like people from different walks of life. Yeah, so that's uh, my answer to that question. How about you, Reiti? Sounds very good. I also like that you like once you step out of a certain area of London, you get to see the real living residential yeah. London, which may not be as pretty as all of the touristy photos we have seen and taken ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I had come to the UK twice before, uh, once for a summer exchange and once for a conference come grad trip. So I roughly knew what to expect, but honestly, 
I had not even heard of York until I googled my supervisor. So York was like, oh, that's where the old York is, not the new one, the old one, the original one. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, my first impressions of the UK was that uh, when I flew from Singapore to London, then I had to transfer to Manchester. I didn't make my London connecting flight because immigration at London was a mess. So that was my welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just so crowded. I missed my connecting flight. And then um, the university had buses to pick us up from Manchester. Um, so I missed uh, my morning one. So I was due to go on a morning bus. I missed it. But luckily, um, the shuttle service ran through till the afternoon. So I made it, I got on the next connecting flight and I made it for a 3 plus p.m. Um, bus. But that was the only time that immigration was uh, so long because now we have our biometric passport and we can saunter across um, the border control. I remember when I when we reached York, I was like, oh, this is very pretty. It's all cobbled streets and red brick buildings. I understand what you mean by like the campuses there are very pretty. Um, so in Singapore, it's a bit like glass and very modern, whereas the campuses here are very like, you can tell that they've been there for hundreds of years. Mm. <laughs> like it's still very red bricks and um, it's like the old uh, um, infrastructure and architecture. Yeah, so even our one McDonald's in the city centre, it's hidden in a grey stately building. You can see the red and yellow, of course, but in Singapore, those are, you can spot them miles away. Here, you have to actively look or be like, oh, there is McDonald's. Yeah, so that's interesting. <laughs> um, the city centre is, I think to most people, they'll think the city centre is small, but I actually like it. I think it's big enough, like you definitely cannot cover the entire city centre in one day. So I think that there's a lot to see at every corner. Every street is a different street. In general, there's also a lot of green space in York. So I think it's much less densely populated than Birmingham and London. Um, and actually, I don't know about you, but green spaces to me intimidates me a bit. Like if I see a green stretch with nothing for a very long uh, mile, I get a bit scared. Mm. <laughs> like it's just, I think it's because I... From Singapore, any field that is the size of a football pitch will be turned into government apartment blocks at, in, in a few years' time. So I've not seen so much green space until I came here. And um, people are quite nice also. Uh, my friend says she feels like the shop owners in York are more willing to chit-chat with you than mm-hmm. the people she's met in London. Mm. Maybe it's just the pace of life. Yeah. Um, I also stayed in a fancy student accommodation in my first year because I wanted alone time. And it was very quiet. It was very beautiful. Um, I had a nice long table and I had everything I needed within 10 steps of me, which is what I want. So my kitchen and bed and toilet and table were all I steps within each other. Yeah. So overall, first impressions, except the immigration, were good, pleasant, quiet. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing, Reiti. I mean, like, you know, when you were sharing, I felt like you just brought me into the whole, your experience. Like, I'm watching movie and, like, imagining myself, you know, <laughs> you know seeing the cobbled steps and the red, red bricks. I also want to make a comment about, you You were asking me, like, whether, like, green spaces, whether they scare I mean, like, I can empathize with you, like, uh, because we are city people, right? Like, we are always seeing, like, different variations 
of the landscape like okay this is like the shopping mall this is like the school or whatever building like yeah um um i can understand why it's intimidating for you and i think for me seeing green fields is very nice um i really like it a lot but the only how do i say this because to me fields is just very the fields are just very flat right i think what i what i'm really looking for is like trees a lot of trees and a lot of like slopes and like mountainous areas and i think like in singapore there's a lot more trees so i i actually like the greenery in singapore a lot more because of that variation but you know maybe i haven't been to like uh yorkshire has this uh what is it the lake district mm, yeah they have like a lot of yeah um yeah so thank you for sharing um about that reti um it looks like your accommodation your first year is like wow very very nice and comfortable <laughs> yeah extremely comfortable extremely expensive as well <laughs> oh which brings us to the next uh, question so how was your quality of life in your um years in the uk how do you find the pace of living in the UK versus Singapore, um, mm -hmm. do you get better work-life balance here? Yeah, please mm -hmm. share your experience. Right. So that's a very, I think that's a very important question, and I think that's a question that a lot of people ask me. Um, I personally find, in general, the pace of living and also it relates to the quality of of life as well seems to be better in the UK. Okay. I mean. When I say this, um, we need to be mindful that I've only been, I was here as a student, right? And then later on, I moved to London. It's only been like, what, close to like a year that I'm here. So it may not be fully accurate, but based on my limited experience here, I would say that pace of living much, I mean, I would say much, but it's definitely slower. And I, I think I live better here as well. Like I feel happier and healthier and yeah in general so maybe i should start with you know sharing my experiences in birmingham so um birmingham obviously is much slower than london right i can imagine that i'm not sure if birmingham and york is comparable but i would imagine that york is probably <laughs> slower but i don't know i mean like birmingham is a city as well just that it's very slow because um i live in this really nice accommodation in birmingham uh where it has its own garden it has its, like its own libraries on like cafe i mean like cafeteria and stuff like that so um it's really far from the city center so um yeah because i live in a residential area that's close to university and it's also not so close to the city center generally my experience there is like okay it's very laid back it's very quiet you can hear the birds chirping um, easily um you know and yeah you don't see many people walking around you know because obviously i'm in a residential area um when it comes to um being a student as well like obviously because i'm a master i was a master student so i need to have like a few lectures in a week so that already shows that okay i don't i have a lot of time so you know and my the pace was definitely like um slower as well i have time to like do whatever that i need to do i don't need to rush for buses i don't need to like cook so fast i don't need to do takeouts because i have all the time in the world you know so for me when i when i started living in birmingham there was a big transition because i came from like you know singapore where it's super fast paced right so i worked uh for about like six years and 
you know, it was really madness, you know, back um, back in Singapore. So when I came to Birmingham, it was a much needed break. But the thing is that it can be quite it can be quite difficult. It was difficult. It was challenging for me at first because I was so used to always having plans and having a structure. So like when I first moved, it's like, wow, you know, I have all this time to plan my studies or I have all this time to plan whatever that I want to do. You know, I don't need to rush for anything. So yeah, um, I guess um, the good thing is that I feel mentally, I feel healthy. I feel like, uh, you know, I don't feel so stressed and somehow like, you know, I don't have pimples like <laughs> like growing on my face you know I used to be so pimple face before like like I, I wonder if that's also um to do with the season but I feel like you know I'm not very I'm not I was not as stressed as before so that's you know that's a good thing in London now I'm working uh even when I'm working I work from like maybe like 10 a.m to 6 p.m you can say nine to five kind of job lah, huh? Um, Mondays to Friday. But even then, I feel like it's not really cutthroat like Singapore kind of like work-life balance, right? Or at least my experience of it in Singapore, right? So, uh, yeah. And the good thing about my uh, my employers is that they allow me to work from home about once. Yeah, I mean, like they they allow you to work from home. They even tell you like how many days you can work from home. But I chose to work like once. A week sometimes twice a week from home and that is amazing I'm telling you I mean like that really changes a lot of things I think most of us now in COVID season we are working from home and we we can see that wow it there's a lot of difference right you don't have to commute you don't have to get ready I mean so to me that's like cool you know I can wake up later I can like um, have breakfast while I'm you know looking at the document or whatever work I'm doing yeah so I generally feel like it's good uh, work-life balance I think people are a bit more understanding if you need to take time off um, yeah my bosses are great so yeah I like that flexibility I mean then again I said like I said before, you know, limit, due to my limited experience, you know, I've not lived here for many, many years. So maybe in the future, I might, you know, I might think differently about it. But that's generally, um, you know, my answer to that question, Reiti. Um, how about you? Uh, how's your pace of living in York? And what are your thoughts about work-life balance? Mm, yeah, I agree with you. I think Singapore is not that great with the flexible hours arrangement yet. I look at my friends relative to have children and they have to take time out um, for health, childcare, healthcare, whatever. And a lot of them, um, very few employers are willing to pay you the same pay for like maybe one day of working at home. Mm. You always have to take a pay cut somewhere, which I don't think it's very fair. Yeah. So now that this, I hope after this pandemic is over, something changes about the way we work mm-hmm. and yeah. we realize that not everything needs to be an in-person thing maybe sometimes Mm -hmm. you know we do need time um out of the office yeah but i agree with you i think the pace of life in uh, uk is slower again i also can only speak as a student because i came here as a student um and also when i was working in singapore i wasn't working a conventional nine to five job so I felt like I already sort of integrated my um, relaxation time with my working time, um, even in Singapore. So I was a teaching assistant. So it that meant that I really only needed to show my face in the uni when it was contact hours. Mm. Other than that, I could prepare my materials at home. Um, I didn't have to go in if I didn't want to, although I still did like 
we had meetings and sometimes I just felt like I wanted to work from school. Yeah, so um, so what I meant by integrating relax, relaxation time into my work was that I will watch a video in the middle of the day and mm. um, but and because of that, I don't mind working all the way till night time. Yeah. So I watch YouTube while um in between doing my data collection, data analysis. Yeah. So I think I'm just okay with um taking a break in the day and then continuing all the way. Mm. Um and then also in York, maybe like I said um in the first episode, um maybe it was because the opportunities presented themselves. So I wanted to make sure that I don't only just look at my data, I wanted to enrich my life outside of research. And so I joined um, improv and polar exercise that I've already been very interested in, in both for a very long time. Um, most importantly, both of these activities are free or very low cost. So improv is free. Um, polo classes are two pounds a week. That works out to be $350. In Singapore, in a proper studio, it would have been 10 times the cost. So you have been $30 a class. Mm. Yeah, and also currently as a research student, I don't have any compulsory classes. So whatever classes that I take are for personal edification, and isn't that the best way to learn? Mm. Going all philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of efficiency, I would think it's slower. So Singapore is very effective. <laughs> um, over yeah. here, I had to get used to the idea that people may not reply you within few hours or even the next day. Um takes a few days and I also just had to train myself to be okay with it let it go just mm. relax I've sent the email it's not within yeah. my control anymore I'm going to go and make a cup of tea oh my god um okay like I just want to jump in here because you know when you mentioned about people take longer to reply they really take their time <laughs> and I kid you not like I think the people here they value holiday um their bank holidays a lot more like you know when it comes to Easter holidays when it comes to summer holidays when it comes to Christmas and New Year I'm telling you like I mean I, I, I mean like okay maybe it's annoying you know as a student that you don't get like prompt replies but when I think about it right when I think about it it's like the whole there's a whole shift in the in their culture like, it's very different like the Singapore work culture and UK work culture like for them like the holiday and your time your um your free time during the holiday is really important and you will just prioritize that over your work. You know, that shows a lot about priori their priorities, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not generalizing. I'm sure there's some um, people that respond, um, you know, to emails even during weekends and stuff. But I also feel like, um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a difference in that work culture. And I really like that because if it's holiday, it is really holiday, right? Like, why should you be responding to your emails? Yeah, yeah. You mentioned about efficiency. Um, I agree with you that. I mean, of course, just now when I mentioned about the the whole email thing, that was actually in the university context. I think when it comes to their work, um, in work environment, as in when it comes to banks and stuff, it's also very slow. Like, um, I just want to share with you guys um, this unpleasant experience I had, like um, in Birmingham. So. Uh, I think sometime in November 2018, I think, was it? Yeah, November 2018, like, some of my things were stolen. So I was actually in a departmental store. 
and then I actually wanted to try some coats because obviously that was my first winter it was like oh my god like it was so cold I needed to get like thicker, a thicker coat and I put my bag hang it like nearby like just there and I used my coat and after that it was gone I mean I know that like I shouldn't have done that although it was nearby but I was like, obviously engrossed in trying it so somebody took it away and then I noticed it I actually um reported it and then uh obviously the next few weeks after that I was trying to get my replacement SIM card. I was trying to get, I mean, in that bag, I lost my phone. I lost my wallet, which has, I lost my keys as well, like my accommodation keys. So I needed to get like quick re replacement for like my, um, my SIM card, you know, my bank card. And then um, even like contacting the police as well. Um, it was also a bit like slow, like, I mean, like, for me, it's double traumatization, right? You already experienced that trauma. And then, like, when you needed support administratively, I just felt that the, the service was really not up to standard, like, for that particular situation, right? So I was really very upset about that. Yeah, and I really made a lot of complaints, like, um, yeah, to, to some of my friends as well about that. Yeah, so it's really not efficient. So um, anyway, since I mentioned, I talked about um, crimes, I also want to share this another experience I also had like right outside the University of Birmingham. Like there was, um, there was this man, uh, I think he was just limping and I, I'm not sure like what, whether he was limping because of a physical defect or was it because he was drinking, I wasn't sure, but that was my way to walk home. Usually I walk home from the campus and it was actually around 7 something p.m. Yeah, um, it was winter, so I guess it was already dark, very, very, very dark at that point in time, right? So I remember I was walking and then he, um, he saw me and then he just said like comments about like the prophet, like he said that, you know, Islam is a false religion and he said that, you know, the prophet is in hell right now and stuff. Like, I think he was just trying to like, obviously insult my religion obviously because I, I mean I'm visibly Muslim because of my hijab so I was really scared like for me like I mean for me I don't care I mean I do care the bigotry but that was not the first thing that I care about you know for me so I just care about my safety like I'm just worried that because he said like emotionally charged you know kind of like comment or hate speech I was worried that he was going to do something so um so I really tried to like slow down my pace. The thing is that I'm worried also that if I run, that, you know, like it might even like, you know, make the situation even worse, right? So I just like, okay, like he said that I ignored him. I didn't respond to him. I just walked really slowly, all right? And then I think I see that he actually was crossing the road. And then I just like slowly, slowly when he was out of my sight, I just like walked to the road because I was so freaking scared. There was no one around me. You know, and then after that, I vowed not to take that same route ever again. Um, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just really, really scary. So I guess when it comes to safety, um, obviously I was in Birmingham, right? So I can only say for that, for safety, my sense of safety there is that it's, I don't really feel quite safe. Um, and also I was advised not to... Um, not to go out late at night because it's not Singapore. In Singapore, you can, I mean, I've, I've been out in Singapore at midnight. And even after midnight, I take the, you know, like the late night buses. What do they call it? Is it a late night bus? Night rider bus. Yeah, night riders and stuff. So, um, like in the UK, I can't, I really need to make sure that if I want to, uh, if I really want to walk, I really make, I need to make sure that I walk at an area where there are people and there are shops. 
because I think that route was really quite quiet, although it was just outside university. So, yeah. Um, in London, I felt, I find that um, because it's, it's a very busy all the time, right? There's a lot of buses, there's tubes and stuff. So I feel like in a lot of places, it's okay because I see a lot of crowd. I see a lot of tourists. But in some quieter areas, I just have to be very, very careful. Yeah, so um, I've never really had like, negative experiences in London yet thankfully and I hope not but I just have to be very very careful also because right now in Britain there's a rise in um, you know um, Islamophobic uh, kind of hate crimes as well all this far-right movement so I guess yeah I have to be very very I have to be wary of that all the time yeah yeah how about you, Riti? I mean, like, how, how, how's your experience in York? Um, do you feel safe there? Mm, yeah, I'm very sorry to hear about your, both your experiences. Couldn't, cannot imagine how you felt. And also, I visited you, like, shortly after your um, Birmingham yeah. month. Yeah, so it was nice. just, I, it was a tricky um, time. Mm. Yeah, and York is said to be the safer city, although last year I think there was a stabbing along like this one slightly iffy street. Um, and in my second week actually, along that iffy street, I was with two um, white locals and three white locals walked past and they said, Ni hao, konnichiwa, at me. And I'm like, I just ignored my friends and apologized immediately. They were like, that's not very nice. For yeah. you to get it yeah and also this is just a tip that i found works for me um for everyone who may feel like they are being targeted if you see someone whom you think may start harassing you for whatever reason just don't look at them in the eye at all costs don't give them um this way they don't even get the satisfaction that you're even bothered to look at them so just don't look at them it pisses them even more and also um, just immediately look on the floor, mm. look away, look at the flowers, mm. cross the road, just get out of there as like mm-hmm. soon as you can. Mm. Yeah, but um, I still do go out at night. I think it's still quite safe, but with all mm. my senses heightened. Mm. Um, depending on the time of night, I may wear my earpiece, but don't listen to anything. Because yeah. usually I don't mind listening to a podcast, but if it's late at night, I just plug it in just for like a psychological or physical barrier between me and another person just to feel like, okay, there is a barrier, don't talk to me, um, I'm invincible with my earpiece. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, okay. thanks, for, thanks for sharing your experience. I really like the tips that you gave, which is to disengage um, with the perpetrator, right, and the oppressor in this case. Um, I feel like, yeah, um, it seems to me that a lot of this um, kind of um, comments is very much driven by prejudice. And I think to some extent xenophobia as well, like, you know, they see that, you know, you're from, you're not white, you're not from their country. So they, they think that it's okay to make like this kind of racist, to me it's racist, you call it like, it's called Niha Kunja. Obviously it's not, you know, if not said out of like, they're not genuine, right? It's really to mock you 
um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very scary, I find. Like, uh, I think the difference, the big difference between living in Singapore and living in Britain is, is this, it's about crime, uh, it's really about safety and about hate speech as well, uh, especially related to race, um, religion, um, as well as, you know, immigrants as well. Yeah, that's my sense um, of being living in Britain. So I think for Singaporeans, I think we are really fortunate to live, obviously, in a country that, First of all, it has low crime rates. Second of all, like the government does not condone hate speech. If there's any hate speech, they will take serious action. I think in the UK, they also take action. It's just that it happens a lot. And yeah, I mean, I think this is something that, you know, we can talk about this in greater depth, maybe in another podcast. I don't know. But yeah, that's just my general comment comment about that. Hmm. Yeah, we definitely can go into the deeper societal issues next time. Let's just keep mm-hmm. it light in this introductory episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. So what do we think of the public transportation system in the UK? Um, what about the costs also? Can you share mm-hmm. your experience? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I think I briefly mentioned that earlier as well about public transportation where I have to wait uh, really long. So I guess... Um, yeah, I guess I got used to it. It's really annoying. You can just wait for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Sometimes, yeah, it's so long. Um, but I just got used to it, I guess. Like, I think there's no point of always like being impatient and just wasting your energy. Uh, so that's for Birmingham. And because of that, you know, my default mode of, um, you know, um, transportation is through walking between university as well as uh, my accommodation. And sometimes if the, um, you know, the train is faster, I might take the train as well. But yeah, in London, definitely the transportation is system is more efficient. Um, of course, when I say efficient, it's, more re- it's a relative term. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's more timely. The timings, um, they come in more frequently as well. So I don't really have issues of like, you know, <laughs> you know, the bus app lying to me or telling me that, oh, it's in three minutes, but actually it's actually in 10 minutes. You know, I don't have that issue here. But the issue that I have about London buses is that it can just stop in the middle of nowhere. Like all of a sudden they say, oh, um, you have, everybody will have to like leave the bus and take another bus. And I was like, what? Like, it's just so abrupt. Like, <laughs> and because of that, I've been late to work a few times. I mean, not super late lah, but like maybe 10 minutes or what. And then the funny thing, there was this one time right i had to um i had to leave the bus and then everybody a lot of people were first from that bus okay and we were all waiting for the next bus and then because there were a lot of people in that next bus it was so full you know the driver was so angry that it was full the driver refused to drive and then people were so angry because, because you know like even near the door right there were a lot of people just like standing around trying to squeeze themselves and then the driver was angry. He said, no, this is already full. Some of you have to leave. Like he really made that, that instruction. And then like people were just so mad. They were like, you know, well, what are you doing? Like people are already leaving. Can we just go? And I was like, oh my God. Like only in London you experience a bus driver refusing to drive. Okay. I mean, I've never experienced that in my life, you know. Yeah, but I guess. To some extent, the driver is just showing his authority, like saying that, you know, look, you can't squeeze in a bus, you know, don't try it, you know. <laughs> but I was like, wow, I was so annoyed. You know, I was so annoyed at that point in time. Yeah, so that's one thing, like buses stopping in the middle and then you have to take the next bus. Another thing is also um, the tube lines, like when, it, when I take the trains, 
wow, you know, sometimes the, tr- the line suddenly severely disrupted. Like, you cannot take that line. So it's like, wow, if I want to go somewhere and that line brings you there directly, right, then you have to like find other ways to go around it. And that's so annoying, I'm telling you. And honestly, I don't know what's, what's up with the <laughs> TFL in London. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of breakdowns and like, disruptions and stuff so um i think again this is where i really appreciate the singaporean transportation system you know people in singapore complain a lot about oh my god breakdowns love they've never experienced something <laughs> something that i experienced i think and that gives me perspective yeah how about you Rati? yes oh my god the bus is stopping in the middle of nowhere i also get it here um the bus the bus driver will just say oh sorry um I'll, i'm waiting for the next bus driver to come and take over this bus so if the person doesn't appear the bus just stops there and so yes uh, singaporeans really don't know anything about what inefficiency in the transportation yeah. system looks like um not only are they not frequent they're also a bit more expensive so uh, my one trip um, to the uni is cost between a pound and two pounds, so that's like one seventy mm. thing to three fifty. In Singapore, our cheapest fare that covers like around three km is seventy cents, so like thirty p something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and in my first two years, I lived uh fifteen to twenty minutes between the university and the city centre, and so I just walked everywhere. Um, I lost weight from it, so that's good. I've never been so fit in my life, so that's good also. Um, the first few days of intense walking, my legs ached like nobody's business. I mean, obviously, because I haven't walked so much in so long. Um, but now I'm used to it. Although, I haven't moved um, 40 minutes each way uh, mm-hmm. in this season, so I bet mm-hmm. by the time I start walking again, I'm going to my legs are going to ache again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. You know what? I'm sorry. I think I forgot to answer the cost of cost of transportation, oh. which I will get to that. But um, I agree with you because, you know, my walking um, time is also 40 minutes like yours, like from my accommodation to university. And it's like one way, 40 minutes. Then obviously two ways are what? One hour, 20? Yeah, one hour, 10 minutes. Yeah. So like it's... I, I also lost weight from that and to me that's my exercise. <laughs> I don't have to do further because I felt that because I was walking really quickly as well. So like you know, they say that if you walk quickly and for long distance that's considered your cardio exercise. So yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah, in terms of the cost, oh my god, like oh, it's so expensive, you know, like two pounds forty for a single for a single bus ride. That's like what? Almost like four dollars something and then in london it's one pound fifty which is okay but i find that wow i mean like singapore 70 cents which is 30p like you said wow that's just amazing so again singaporeans you should appreciate your public transportation system and i really really do appreciate singapore public transportation now more than more than ever (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay let's move on to healthcare what do we think of the standard of healthcare system here Okay, so um, when I first applied to university in, you know, in Birmingham, right, I saw that there is this thing called NHS surcharge or something like that. Yeah, so NHS um, means the National Healthcare Service um, in Britain. So um, yeah, so we have to pay uh, an amount for that. And I would imagine that, I mean, I wasn't sure like what was that for, but I realized that, oh, because, you know, like consultation fee is free, 
in the UK. Yeah, maybe Riti, you can, you know, you can elaborate more on that later on. But I mean, for me, I find that I have to adjust to the whole healthcare system here because every person needs to register to a GP, right? So the thing is that it's not like in Singapore where if I'm sick, um, I decide to go to like to see this doctor, which, you know, and then another time I see another doctor because like, in Singapore, I mean, where I stay, I do have a few, um, you can call that practice and like clinics around my area. So there's a private clinic and there's also the polyclinic, which is the public clinic, right? So for me, it's like if I'm sick, like, oh, I have a flu, I have a cough, a normal kind of like fever, feverish symptoms, I would apply online and I go to the public clinic because it's cheaper, right? If let's say I have a very, very, very severe illness, I go to the, uh, the private one, which is near my it's like walking distance from my house, right? So for us, there's no issue about, you know, like seeing one doctor or another. But, but then here in Britain, it's like you need to just stick to one. So obviously, I registered with the one closest to me. So I find that, okay, that's something different. And I also find that, you know, um, if I want to see the doctor, I, I have to call them first. I think it differs from one practice to another. But my GP is that you call them early in the morning and then, you you queue for it and then the doctor will call you back maybe within an hour they call you back the doctor will just say okay how can I help you today and then I'll just speak over the phone like oh I have this symptom this symptom then they will try to like troubleshoot it they will try to like diagnose as well and ask more questions so it's kind of having a phone a phone consultation right so the thing is that like um when it comes to like very, very like regular cold symptoms, they'll just tell you, okay, then you, you can get your prescription. Like they will just send the prescription near to the pharmacy that's near me. So I don't have to go to that clinic. I can go to Morrison's. I can go, which is a supermarket. And I can go to like a pharmacy that's close to me just to get my medication without seeing the doctor. Right? So for me, it's like, for the, I mean, like when, that, when I experienced that, I felt that, oh my God, where's the face-to-face um, service? Like for me, I like looking at person and you know having that you know interactions but i got used to it and i guess i can understand why they do that because consultation fee i mean it's free and also like yeah you have a regular call like why do you still see a doctor right yeah so i have um experienced this particular time where i have uh because i have um you know inflammation and then i i i shared a doctor that oh three nights in a row i have breathing difficulties and the doctor said the doctor tried to ask more questions and then the first the first doctor didn't want to see me she just said okay maybe you have acid reflux try this medication and then i still have it and then i spoke to another doctor from that same practice and the doctor was like oh i need to see you you know what i mean like so so for me it's like i think there's also different like standards from one doctor to another doctor in that same practice so i was a bit confused but i'm glad that the second um doctor asked me called me in and then he also prescribed me something so i don't know i i i don't know Rachel. like maybe you can share with me what are your thoughts on it like i feel like i see the pros of it and i still see the cons of it as well mm, yeah so i feel like the way the British people talk about when they fall sick is the very British self-deprecating way like even if their arm is falling off they'll be like oh it's it's just a scratch no trouble at all <laughs> and all so i feel towards um doctors i think they feel guilty for falling sick that they have to go and see a doctor so it's a very different mindset and um, whereas in singapore uh if we fall sick when you're young it's our fault our parents will be like serves you right who asked you not to wear your sweater when you are in the air-conditioned room 
who asks you to sit so near the fan, who asks you to, you know, they'll just blame you for, for causing the sickness to yourself. Yeah, so I didn't realize that getting to see a doctor was not an immediate thing until I had rashes, like I mentioned in the first episode. So I had just an allergic reaction and I wanted to see the uni doctor. I thought that it was like easy enough. I had already registered with the uni doctor. But so my system, like you said, yours was phone consultation. Mine, we have an online consultation. So we just fill in the form and the form, as you fill in more and more, it will ask you more and more diagnostic questions. So it sort of like narrows down and gets more specific by the end of um, the form. Also, you can submit pictures. So you can literally send them, send the doctor anything that happens to you for it. And actually, I think that is quite efficient in a way. So it really beats out the like very, like you said, the trivial, just the cold medicine. You yeah. can go get it from Morrison's and Boots, which is like mm-hmm. um, the Singaporean Guardian Watson's. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's they really only see the really emergency cases. For me, um, I got a more immediate response because they are scared that it's meningitis rash. So I managed to see in that week. I called like once early in the week and once later in the week. I got to see a doctor twice, even such luxury. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, I did not have meningitis. So yay. Um, although speaking of rash, I have one on my little finger which has been there a while. I feel like I'm self-deprecating enough. I probably need to get see someone again. I already got a phone consultation a few days ago. He just said to monitor it, but maybe I need to call again. I'm not sure <laughs> what to do about that yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope you get better soon and yeah, you can call them tomorrow first thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about um cost of food? How do you find the cost of food here? I know we already touched a bit in episode two, but maybe we can um, supplement it if we have any other thoughts. So we mentioned this um, in episode two, uh, where we, you know, we talk a lot about food. I generally think that, um, yeah, I mean, it is definitely cheaper to buy um, gross, uh, food in the supermarkets and groceries um, and eating out is generally more expensive. I do realise that maybe Birmingham is slightly cheaper than London. I guess slightly, but okay. I think if you go to restaurants, you get like eight pounds, ten pounds and above kind of prices. Yeah, I yeah, it's it's just a whole ball game, man. When it comes to like food here, like it changes the way you like it changes your lifestyle. I guess like yeah, I like eating out in Singapore, and then right now it's like oh, you know, because I have because we mentioned pace of life, right? I feel like. You know, like I have more time, the pace of life is slower, therefore it makes it easier to go out, buy food and cook and prepare, right? So that's why I feel like overall like my quality of life is healthier because, you know, when you cook, you, you know what you cook, you know, you know what you put inside, you know, how much salt you put, you know, whatever that you put inside and then, um, yeah, you feel like, you know, you're not always in a rush and you can really mindfully focus on that whereas in Singapore like because I feel like we really really um enslave ourselves to work you know uh, because work is the priority so anything else you know like maybe for example food like cooking like oh there's no time okay let's just take let's just eat in or let's just eat out you know like we pay we work so hard and use that money to pay for services right we pay for like a domestic worker because there's no time to clean we pay to uh to have takeouts we pay to eat out you know and i think that you know like it's so subservient to work and i feel like 
I mean, okay, UK, I feel is a very capitalist country, right? So don't get me wrong. I, I am very critical about UK as a capitalist country, but I feel like my subjective experience is that I still can afford to like, okay, I don't need like to pay a cleaner. I don't need to pay like somebody to cook for me or take out. I can still do that. So yeah, so that's my comment about food anyway in relation to like the pace of life and, and quality of life. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I can add on like just to give some like price comparisons. So I would say that vegetables here are cheaper, especially if you buy the local vegetables, so like carrots, potatoes, and um, onions. So mm. for example, I can get a stew pack that has a sweet, three to four carrots, pasta, and onion, and that costs one pound. So it's, it's about one seventy six. Um, meat I think costs about the same um in both places, and so like. Uh, mm. around 15 pounds or like 25 sing dollars worth of groceries can last me two weeks two or three weeks of me cooking myself here which is the cost of one meal of eating out here mm. which is the cost of one week of eating out in Singapore so that's how you can compare the prices for food across the two mm. countries yeah. yeah remember to watch our episode two if you haven't <laughs> yeah. we're gonna leave a link in the description and you should see on the end card here. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on to season. So, uh, what's your favourite season? Um, what season do you thrive most in? Do you have any struggles? Mm, I really like this question a lot because I'm that kind of person who likes to talk about weather, like old people. <laughs> oh, like, or like all British people. Exactly. It's like, oh, such a lovely day today. Oh, look at the weather. It's so sunny today oh my god like you know really like people here love oh it's so beautiful isn't it like they love to say that so i guess i'm becoming like that but even before that i love talking about weather so um it's a very difficult question because i mean i have two um <laughs> two seasons i really like the most which is autumn and spring right i really like autumn obviously because of um the hues i like the red orange yellow hues a lot and i think I don't know, autumn has a lot, it gives me a lot of um, very metaphorical kind of um, symbolisms like, oh, it, 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 it indicates like um, renewal and change and transformation. And um, when I came to the UK in September 2018, I just started a new life. Like, okay, you know, I'm doing my master's now at the age of 29. And, you know, like it, to me, that's like a transition. And I think autumn reminds me of that a lot, you know. Um, and of course, spring is beautiful. You know, there's a lot of blossoms. I mean, people talk a lot about, oh, blossoms in Japan, but you can see that in the UK as well, you know. So, yeah, I really love spring. But the only bad thing about spring in the UK is it's only for that one week, like that one week or two weeks, lah. You see the thing later on, oh, okay, that's it, you know, like, so you really have to catch it. Yeah, so, um, and I also like spring because it's an indication that, you know, the weather will get warmer. Summer is coming and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess autumn seems to be more, yeah, I seem to like autumn a bit more than spring, but I still like spring a lot. And I like summer too. Um, yeah, it's very difficult. I, I really can't answer this question because uh, when I first experienced winter in UK in September 2018, I had like a dip in my mood. Uh, like, you know, like all of a sudden I just feel quite, I don't know, like something 
something that switched off anyway. So I thought I had seasonal affective depression. Um, and so I need to take vitamin Ds and stuff. Um, thankfully, the last winter, I was okay. So that, yeah, maybe I go out a lot more and stuff. So I guess that made me appreciate summer a lot more, you know, like the sun, you know, I really like that. It's a semblance of Singapore as well. So how about you, Rati? Um, autumn, no questions. I like the hues, like you said. So the yeah. reds and oranges and golds and yellows are just... <laughs> Very beautiful. Yeah, I think I did fine throughout winter. Um, uh, like seeing the dark sky at four o'clock was okay to me. Maybe like I said, because I'm used to working through the night. So like working, continuing working with the sky is dark, like doesn't make a difference to me. Maybe it shows that I'm um, working too much or like maybe I should be taking a break more. <laughs> maybe you're a night owl. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm morning person enough or I can straddle the two quite easily. So that's good, I hope. That's good. No, that's good. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, what about last question? So do you see yourself living here long term? Yeah, uh, a lot of people ask me this question. Uh, a lot of Singaporeans think I should live here long term. And obviously, when people give an opinion, it's being coloured by their own experiences, right? A lot of Singaporeans think they have this romanticised idea of Britain. They think that, oh, you know, you live, you know, in Britain, you know, better work-life balance, you know, you know, Singapore is too stressful, the, the, sea, the weather is good, da-da-da. But I feel that when I finally lived here, I, I did have those romanticized notions before, but when I started living here, I can see the flaws in the country as well. I think we, we talked about this throughout this episode. So I revert, I keep like, you know, like fluctuating between Singapore and London, Singapore and London all the time. And I had these conversations constantly with my husband about where we're going to settle eventually. I mean, the thing is that, right, because I see some flaws in Britain, um, it makes me appreciate Singapore a lot more. Like I find that, oh my God, Singapore is so structured. I mean, it's so efficient, it's so clean, it's so organized, you know, and if I need a service to be done quickly, they can do it really quickly. They will email me and respond to me really quickly. And I really appreciate a lot, appreciate that a lot. But the thing about Singapore is that the poor work-life balance. So it makes me think that, okay, maybe London is better. But the, the gripe, the biggest gripe I have is that um, I find that the cost of living in London is so high. Okay, housing is very expensive. Like in Singapore, uh, public housing is a norm, right? Like it's a government sanctioned kind of system where, you know, like you can own a house or like 99 years of lease, something like that. Uh, but in London or in UK, I think like people rent, people tend to rent, you know, places a lot more. They, to own a house is so expensive, especially in London. It can even be like close to a million. So, um, yeah, so I, I find that because the housing, the cost of living is so expensive and because the salary is also like not so high, I can say that I earn a lot more, slightly a lot more in Singapore. So I feel like it's, it is proportionate. And because of, that, because of that, I feel like I'm leaning more towards Singapore, although I, fi I find that, oh, I don't like the work-life balance, you know, like, so I guess I might not stay here in long term, maybe for the next few years um yeah but who knows you know like if 
we decide to live outside of London, like maybe in the outskirts or Birmingham or other, like Manchester or other, like even in northern part like York and, you know, uh, Leeds, maybe it's cheaper. And yeah, but the only problem is that I'm far away. I'll be far away from my in-laws and we need that family social support if we do want to have children. So seems that Singapore wins in this case. I don't know. How about you, Reiti? Yeah, it's a bit difficult to answer also. I also like the um, work-life balance here, um, but I, um, the rent uh, is not great. <laughs> and also, like we said, far from family. So I'm very used to going to my grandma's house every Saturday because mm-hmm. my grandma has 11 children who has their own children. And so it's like a whole big party every Saturday. I really miss um, the big busting family and all. So um, I think maybe not. I'm also leaning towards Singapore for now. Mm. Well, I guess, you know, who knows if we still stick to this inclinations, I will see you more in Singapore. Maybe we can have two sports in sports. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. And on that note, um, that's all the time we have today. Uh, remember to like the video if you did and share it with your friends um, and other Singaporeans if you feel so inclined. You can follow us on True Sports in Britain across the board. Twitter is True Sports in VR. We are also available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Podcasts, and Overcast. So we'll talk to you next time. Thank you everyone for your time. I hope you enjoyed it. Bye! Bye-bye. <laughs>